quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. You know, it's when you try to time a sale or time an acquisition that you're probably not going to hit that timing all the time. Uh, But if you put foundational guidelines and principles in there, and you stay focused, you'll be okay. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hey, Best Ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm your host, Ash Patel. Today's episode is brought to you by Brasario Ventures, a private equity real estate firm based in the booming Austin, Texas market. To learn how you can invest in the future of Texas with Presario Ventures, please visit info.presarioventures.com forward slash best ever or click on the link in the show notes. Today I'm joined by Darren Davis. Darren is joining us from Austin, Texas. He is the principal and co-founder of Presario Ventures. They focus on investing in commercial real estate assets on behalf of their investors. Darren's portfolio consists of multifamily, self-storage, retail, and triple net properties. Darren, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Good afternoon, Ash. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Glad to hear it. Darren, would you mind giving the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, sure will. Uh, I've been in the real estate space for 22 years now. Uh, And prior to that, I was probably like most everybody else. I was a corporate guy and and worked in in finance and software. But, um, you know, 22 years ago, there wasn't podcasts and there wasn't you know, Google and YouTube and all that. So a lot of it was really self-taught, but I just had, I had a passion for what real estate offered and kind of, I tried multiple things, but, you know, as I kind of worked through the process um, and, you know, six or seven different types of verticals inside commercial real estate ended up landing on multifamily and, um, and liked, I liked the debt structures, the equity components, the, it's just everything about providing housing. And then, as Austin continued to grow and bloom, it just became a natural. Uh, so we've been doing this for a little over a decade now, I think 12, we're at 13 years now, and uh, have been very fortunate to be in the multifamily space and, you know, introducing syndication to a lot of our investors and, you know, how they can get into a, a hard asset that cash flows or has great appreciation in a, in a very dynamic market. And so we've been doing this for 12 years and I see us doing another 12. Darren, you've been in this industry for 22 years and you've been in multifamily for 12 years. Can you give us a synopsis of the first 10 years of your real estate investing? And was it the typical starting out with single family homes? You know, it was. And I'm probably like like most. Um, I, I literally didn't know where to go. But so most of us are introduced to single family homes, duplex, quads, and all that. There's a lot of information out there at that time. And and most people can afford that. So I did a handful of single family homes. I did a handful of rehabs. I did a storage unit. I did 13 small class B strip centers. You know, so I started just kind of trying to see what I liked. and, And it was 
quite the education because every one of them had a different flavor. They had a different uh, profile. A lot, a lot was a common denominator, but uh, I did our first multifamily. Uh, we started it in the 2009 timeframe, and I immediately saw the ability to scale. I saw the type of debt you could get on a multifamily, especially if you had uh, some assistance with you know, groups like HUD insured loans. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later, um, how that program probably saved us back in 2009, 2010. But as I went through all of it, you know, I evaluated debt structures. I evaluated management, uh, asset management. It just, it, it just made sense to really look at the multifamily sector. And that's where we've been for the last decade plus. So you were a pioneer in those early years because not many people strayed from residential, but you did self-storage and strip centers. Um, let's dive into the strip centers. What made you want to invest in them? Was it a value-add approach? It, it absolutely was. Uh, that's a good question. And I'll tell you, what really drove me that way is I learned what the word syndication meant, okay? And there was a guy here in town that was doing a syndication for strip centers. And I forced my way into his office. I said, I want to learn what a syndication is. And he goes, well, here's what it is. And I was just fascinated by it. Hey, I can use other people's money, not just my money. And we can bring leverage. We can bring opportunity. And I got to tell you, the first strip center we did, I I syndicated this number, $170,000, okay, in 2004. I thought it was a big deal. But you know what? I, I started. And that 170 then went to... 240 to 360 to half a million. And then it just grew from there. That's an important lesson because, you know, we see these syndicators that do 30, 40, $50 million apartment buildings, but people should realize there's nothing wrong with syndicating a hundred, two hundred thousand $200,000 property, regardless of the asset class, right? Absolutely. It, it, I will tell everybody listening that it may seem like it's a big struggle to start small, but you've got to start. And if you wait for that perfect opportunity to hit that home run, you're going to wait two years, four years, six years. And before you know it, you could have done two, three, four syndications where it might have been much smaller. And the, and the education that you'll get from that uh, and the mentorship you'll get from that is, is huge. Um, and, there's, and I think we all know that. You guys exist for this. Um, you know, all of us that have this experience of 20 years, 10 years, you know, we love to share it because we, we want people to know how to better enrich themselves, their friends, their family, their lives. And you know, there's a lot of people out there that I think would be willing to give back. And especially for those guys that have actually done something and they're not just reading books and asking for the home run. Well, Darren, let's address the elephant in the room. You are imploring the best ever listeners to get started, but a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines waiting for the economy to settle. What are your thoughts on that? That's, that's a very good question. And that's the question, you know, we get, we have a few hundred active investors and they're kind of saying, Hey, what do we do? When do we do it? What's the right time? Um, I, I will tell you this, that probably standing down for the last year, year and a half has probably been a good idea. Uh, but I think we're all aware. And if, if you're not, you know, the headlines are, are screaming with this information. And for the most part, it's true, but you know, we've got a, $1.5 trillion uh, coming due on construction loans over the next three years. And our space is we have either uh, JV or been a co-GP or provided LP equity to developers. 
we've had such a demand here in the Austin or in the Texas market for, for housing uh, that development just made a lot of sense for us. And we were very, very fortunate to have some, you know, home runs, but it was not without a lot of, a lot of work. But today, you know, we have stood down because the economics did not make sense for development. But where they're starting to make a lot of sense today is acquisition of new loans or a new product. Because these construction loans that started out four years ago, five years ago, three years ago at 4% are now, and that floating rate are now sitting at 8%. And these developers and, and people that have just acquisition of ownership, uh, their loans are coming due. And where they underwrote it at 4% and rates right now are going to be, you know, with Fannie or Freddie or, or the Life Co's, you're going to be looking at six and a half, seven percent um, is significant on the uh, on the bottom line. We're getting prepared. And, I, you know, people talk about getting a distressed asset. Yeah, maybe. But I think it's an asset that's discounted because you really don't want to be looking at distressed assets unless that's your space. But if you're looking for a good deal, I think the next six to 24 months, there's going to be some deep discounts because these these people that have loans maturing in the next two or three years are not going to be able to actually underwrite those to cash flow perform. And I think they're going to have to take a lot less uh, money than they thought they had. And you probably heard the term cash out refi. I mean, we've all heard that for the last decade and people have done that. I mean, that was a, that was part of a business model, you know, we'll, we'll stabilize it, we'll rehab it, we'll stabilize it. And then we'll refi and cash out. The new phrase today is cash in. Uh, <laughs> there's the cash outs aren't there. If you get one, good for you, but uh, you've had that property a while. The cash ends. People are having to come to the table, three, five, seven million dollars, and and or take a discount and sell that asset and move on. Take some money off the table. You've been through a couple of market cycles. Does that process typically happen with a syndicator, or is that a lender getting involved in a short sale? Well, what I'll share with you on this, it's it's really the syndicator, and I'll give you an example. Um, you know, a lot of these, um, let's just take some basic math. Um, a syndicator has put together a deal where if you look at the capital stack, we all know the debt gets taken out first and then the common equity is second. And then the sponsor is third. You know, they typically make their promote on the back end. Well, what you're seeing happen now is that these syndicators are having to take a 10, 12, 15% discount from their pro forma four years ago. So they're one of the first ones to start losing, you know, their upside on this. And what they can't afford to do is actually have their equity take a loss. So they're willing to get out of this and forego their $2 million, $3 million, $4 million profit so that they can live to fight another day. Because you've got to protect your equity at all costs. I mean, there is no ifs, ands, and buts. If you have to eat, you know, pork and beans for the next year, you protect that equity. Um, so it's really a, a, an impact on that. Now, when you go to short sales, that's a whole different subject. Uh, you know, you're not really looking at, we're not in that short sell banking world. We're more in the, you know, the Fannie Freddie world. Uh, and that really, the impact's going to happen to the sponsors and the common equity. Darren, do you think most apartment syndicators that are in trouble, are they underwater? Are they treading water or do they still have the ability to get out intact? Very good question, Ash. Um, so, 
you know, one of the things that we have done in the past, and if, and I'm sure most of your listeners are aware of this, but if they're not, uh, what's really happening over the last six to nine months and getting bigger is a tool called Pref Equity or Preferred Equity. And what you're seeing uh, is these syndicators and developers are looking for bridge money, and that's the Pref Equity. And just to be clear on where that is, you have your, your bank debt and your common equity. Well, this PREF equity sits right in the middle and they're looking for a bridge to get through the next two or three years before they have to turn around and go back to either the common equity and say, hey, guys, we're doing a, a capital call. I need an extra three or four million. That's not a that's not a good phone call. So what they're doing is getting this PREF equity and it sits right behind the bank debt, but right above the common equity. So we have pivoted to that space knowing that we've done it before and we're seeing the market open up and we think it's got a runway of two or three years. So, you know, we'll be looking at ways to use that tool to help developers, syndicators, you know, bridge that gap for the next two or three years. That's a different approach than what you hear on the streets where people are waiting for carnage. They're waiting for somebody to fail so they can go in there and capitalize on that failure. So you're providing a solution that really is a win-win for lenders, investors, the operators, and yourselves. Interesting. Yeah, well, you know, we why not be a vulture? Hold on. Nah. Wait a minute. Why not just be a vulture like everybody else? Uh, we, you know, I, if we can walk in the door and say, "Hey, we've got it. We've got a solution for you." It is a win-win, and we're, you know, and like I said earlier, it, you know, distressed. I that's not the area we play in. Uh, you know, we we play. We just we're looking for a good value, good discount. We're not trying to wipe somebody out. Uh, and, and we're very, we're very judicious on what we do. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure it works for everybody. Who takes the biggest hit when you come in to a scenario like that? Is it the syndicator? Cause quite honestly, if the syndicator is underwater and they can save face and just kind of exit out of the deal and make sure their investors didn't get hurt, I would be willing to give up all my gains to save my investors. Right. Does that typically happen? Yeah, well, that's that's kind of the answer that we, we all know that as a sponsor, we're I mean, we're sponsors. OK, so we don't get paid until we hit that minimum to our for our equity and that there's nothing there's nothing more important than that, period. I don't care what anybody says. If you're not taking care of your equity, you don't live to fight another day, period. Uh, so yeah, to, to be direct, it is the sponsor that's going to take the hit, but it's also, let's, let's be clear. The sponsors have enjoyed a huge run the last 10 years. All right. And, and we all, if you thought this was going to go another 10 years, I, you know, I, I'm surprised it went that long, you know, so the sponsors, I don't feel sorry, including us. I don't feel sorry for us. You know, we, we, we've been in the right place at the right time. We performed and we got compensated. If we don't perform, we don't get compensated. Darren, have you been insulated from these economic headwinds? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> no. What kind of pain is Presario feeling? You know, it's not pain, but here, here's something you said earlier. You know, having 20 years of experience, we could kind of, you know, see through the forest, you know, things that were happening, and we started to prepare for it. Um, are things slower? Absolutely. Are things a little tougher? Absolutely. But, you know, we stay focused. Uh, we communicate with our investors. Um, everybody understands we have a hard asset behind us. And everybody understands that, you know, over any given period of time, if you will just manage the asset correctly and you're managing real estate, 
and history proves this out, that you'll do well. You know, it's when you try to time a sale or time an acquisition that you're probably not going to hit that timing all the time. Uh, but if you put foundational guidelines and principles in there and you, and you stay focused, you'll be okay. Now, Austin's been in the headlines lately. It seems like the boom is coming to an end or it's slowing down significantly. What are your thoughts on that? Well, let's, let's back up uh, 15 years, okay? Uh, you know, let's, let, let, here, here, I'll give you the answer to that or an, uh, uh, an analogy. You know, you used to have investors come in and say, hey, I want a 27 IRR and I want a 12% cash on cash and I want a 3x multiple in three years. Well, the days of rainbows, pixie dust and, and, all, and, and all that's gone. Unicorns, it's gone, okay? If you back up to where the, the economics and the expectations were different, but still performing with a good asset class, you know, we still can perform here, but we're not getting the 27 IRs. We're not getting the 12 cash on cash. We're not getting the three X in three years. You're going to get more back to a mid-level uh, teen in the IRR. You're going to get your, you know, six, seven, eight percent cash on cash. And you're going to get a multiple and, you know, anywhere, you know, one, five to two in a five-year period of time. So uh, I think expectations. So that that's where we are today. Um, you know, we're, we did have a boom year, but we were also rents were 17% year over year. Well, guess what we are today? We're 3%, 2%, you know, and we'll manage through that. And we'll be back to, you know, five, 6% uh, year over year rent increases, five or 6%. Um, you know, just last, I mean, well, yesterday, I think, um, our apartment construction year over year is down 72%. And if you think about that, now, granted, were we inflated four years ago? Absolutely. But cut it in half, we're down 35, 40%. So we're going to be able to have a, enough supply to carry us for about two years. But if you stop building like we're stopped today, and you stop for two or three years, think about three or four years from now, when we've had no new supply, that we've had a, a net positive migration of 150 people a day moving in here. So that that flat kind of just steady as you go is going to have the hockey stick on it here in another three or four years. You know, Darren, the byproduct of that is you've spoiled a lot of investors. So these investors that were used to getting probably close to 30% returns annualized upon sale, is that right? Fair to say? Uh, there's a lot of that that happened. Yes. Now you're telling them the IRRs are back in the mid-teens. How does that conversation go? You know what? For for the guys that are probably 45 and older, they get it. They're going, I've seen two or three of these cycles. I, I get it. The guys that are 25 to 35, they've known nothing but you know a rocket ship. And I can tell you that that is a rare rare event that happened maybe two or three times in a century and if you look back historically what properties have done on any given 10-year period the average rate of return has been right at 10 percent so and that's factoring in everything up to year 2010 so granted from 2010 to 2020 you know you had a, a, a lot higher numbers but that was for the most part an anomaly you're not going to see many 10-year periods like that. You know, even Austin. I mean, if you look back in Austin over the last 80, 90 years, 
our cycle has been six, six up, six down, six years up, six years down, six years up, six years flat. We've never gone this long. Um, and we did, and it spoiled a lot of people. And I just do not see that happening again in the foreseeable future, meaning three years, don't see it, five years, probably not, 10 years, I, I really can't predict, but it's not going to be what we just saw unless there's really some major event that I'm unaware of. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you looking to raise money from private investors to buy commercial real estate? syndicationattorneys.com is here to guide you every step of the way at syndicationattorneys.com they do more so you can do more they create real estate syndication and fund offering documents but they also educate you on the ins and outs of raising private money ensure your offerings comply with securities laws and help you structure fair deals with investors so everybody wins with reasonable lump sum fees and over 2.75 billion dollars in securities offerings created syndicationattorneys.com has the expertise you need but that's not all syndicationattorneys.com also offers weekly attorney-led masterminds networking and strategy sessions through their pre-syndication consulting agreements to learn more visit syndicationattorneys.com today to get started this offer is not available to florida residents yeah i would be remiss to not ask this i i know uh you're not going to predict the future but your thoughts on the looming economic headwinds? At the end of the day, um, I think for multifamily, I'm talking about the multifamily sector, not politically uh, and globally, economically. Um, but I think for the multifamily sector, uh, I'll speak on Texas first, okay? Um, we, we, are, we are very fortunate here. Uh, we have a great business climate. We still have an, a, you know, an affordability component for cost of living. Uh, for the most part, the weather's good. And, you know, if you can stand, you know, 105 degrees for three months, but uh, that's a, hopefully an outlier. But, you know, we, we, we have, I think, 55 of the Fortune 500 companies. We had 144 companies that relocated just the Austin Metro in the last couple of years. And, and a lot of that's coming from, um, you know, parts of the country that are, I, I think, just not as fortunate as we are for affordability and, and economics and the business climate. I, I think the, you know, the supply demand for Texas is still out of whack. It is nationally, but we, we still continue to have a, a massive migration uh, to Texas. So 10 years from now, if you, if you look at what the demographers are saying for, for Texas, uh, we, we are a population of 33 million today by 2049 or 2050, I'm sorry, by 2050, we'll be at 49 million. Uh, so that growth, and if I'm having to put my wager on the table, you know, what industry, what state, what business and climate, I'm, I'm going to stick right here in, in Texas. We've just, I, we're just very fortunate. You know, six months ago, uh, it, it seems like only Wall Street people and real estate people were predicting that rates would be down in Q4 2023. And then, Earlier in the summer, they all kind of took a pause and, okay, don't worry, rates will be lower in 2024. And now we have Powell stating that we might have another rate hike in 23, and these rates are going to be higher for longer. So just your gut feeling, um, based on you know many years of experience, I don't want you to look into a crystal ball, but based on your history, your experience, your gut feeling, 
on how long rates will be higher and when they'll start to reduce them, when they've accomplished their mission? All right. So I think the mission's been accomplished. Okay. I, I really do. Okay. And people ask me, you know, oh, we're in a soft bubble. We're in a economic recession. Uh, are we, aren't we? And I'm going, guys, um, rates probably going to stay at this level or slightly higher um, for, for a while. Uh, I do not think people that are waiting 12 to 24 months are going to see anything different. If you're waiting on a rate adjustment, you're going to be waiting a while. Okay, you're going to have to figure out how to acquire something at a discount to offset that rate. Uh, you know, I I just really think that be prepared. That, you know, we're I, I would say three years, three years before we start seeing any significant changes in the Fed policy. And, um, you know, we can't stop doing business for three years. So if interest rates are driving your decisions, figure it out because you're going to have to figure out a way to work around that. And that's what we're doing. You know, we're accepting what the rates are going to be. We're negotiating acquisitions based off of interest rate. The sellers have not been used to having that discussion, uh, but it's a hard pill to swallow. But they're, they're starting to understand if I'm going to, you know, you know, get rid of this asset. I mean, sell it. Um, they're, they're taking a, a lot less money than they projected four years ago, five years ago. Darren, thank you for not skating around that question and being direct with your answer. And I agree with you. I, um, I like the three-year timeline. Um, you know, when I get people's bios before this interview, I usually have some financial metrics I don't have any for you. If you would share with the best ever listeners, either the size of your portfolio or what Persario has in terms of assets under management. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I will tell you, we um, have 2,400 doors um, uh, on your assets under management and we do class A. Okay. So we're not value add B or C, uh, just not, not anything we pursued. Um, you know, our, our average return collectively, we were at a 2.67 multiple, uh, and our average hold time was just a little over four and a half years. So I, and I would, I, I would tell everybody, you know, we had a couple of grand slams, no doubt about it. Um, you know, and I think all of us did if we were, you know, if we just stayed focused in, in, in uh, on our business, but I, I do not, you know, I talked to investors today and they say, hey, what can we expect going forward? And I tell them, man, I really say, just like I said earlier, the, the unicorn stuff's gone, you know, and the stuff that we're underwriting now for acquisition is going to be a lot less, you know, in that time frame on the multiple, a lot less on the IRR. Um, but it's still, if you look at it, you still are getting all the fundamentals. You're still getting, uh, you know, some tax advantaged assets. You're getting, um, some appreciation. You're getting, you're getting, you're getting cash flow, you know. And if you have a short term, I think you know, kind of view of real estate, you shouldn't, especially in today's environment. Darren, do you buy properties that need renovation, or are these turnkey Class A properties just go in there and increase the rents? You know, for the most part, it's um, where we are today. Is is we are going to acquire at a discount. Because we all know we make most of our money on the buy, so we're not going to overpay. And then we're going to manage that property for a period of time. And I'm saying five to seven years. And in that five to seven year period, we will do that refi program, refi cash out, return the money to the equity, 
run it a couple more years and then either refight again or sell it. That that's our model. But we are doing class A properties in uh, in areas that the demographics and the jobs support that class A product. And we're not we rather have a best location, best asset marketing to the the high uh, income earners, which we have quite a few here in the tech space. Uh, but we do not do class B or class C rehabs or flips. Okay, so the rehabs are minimal, if at all. Gone. Gone. Okay. Yeah. Now you're competing for investment dollars in a very competitive market. What do you do differently or what do you do better to raise capital from investors? For me, it's so simple what we do and do well. Um, we are very methodical. Uh, we are we are very much low risk. And everybody says, you know, hey, we underwrite conservatively. We're transparent. We're this and we're that. And yeah, we all do that. Okay. But, but at some point, you've got to have the experience to manage through some tough times. And, you know, and I got to tell you, managing through 2008, 9, and 10 was probably one of the hardest but best things we ever did. It taught us some big boy lessons quickly. Um, I, when this, when this, I'm going to call it a recession in air quotes here. When this started a year and a half ago, two years ago, I didn't skip a beat. I didn't get nervous. I didn't get sad. I didn't get anxious. I go, we've been here. I go, it's not an economic collapse like 2008 and nine. Uh, this is going to be some tough times. We learned how to navigate through this before. So that experience that we have as a team and as the co-founders, you know, we're not young. Tom and I are not, we're not, you know, <laughs> young guys at all. Uh, so we've seen a lot of this. Um, but I think the other thing that our investors say about us is, is the trust factor. You know, we've both been in, Tom's been here his whole life. I've been here 23 years. We know the community. We know we know the lenders, we know the brokers, we know the sellers, we know the buyers. So, uh, you know, we, we can perform. Um, and if we say we're going to do something, we do it. Not only with the, the brokers and, and, uh, and just the lenders in the, in the community, but also the investors in the community. Earlier, you referenced that you wanted to talk about HUD insured loans. Uh, you know, and I, I was just going to mention, we, you know, and I'll give for the younger people that didn't experience 2008, 9, and 10, um, we were working on a smaller multifamily project and I won't name them, but it was one of the big, big um, debt providers gave us a term sheet and we were moving forward and, and we had spent $700,000 on due diligence and architectural and engineering and, 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 and um, they pulled the term sheet and everybody was getting term sheets. All, all lending was stopping. I mean, stopping. Right. And we were somewhat in a like, oh, hell, what do we do? You know, we've got a lot of money out there. Um, are we going to walk away from it? You know, but we were introduced to the HUD insured lending program, which for for your uh, people listening here, it's a it's a program where the the criteria is a little different. Uh, they really work on the affordability concept. And we had partnered with the city of Austin to work out a deal that they would co-invest with us um, and, and reduce the property taxes. And HUD really liked that. And HUD said, hey, you've got affordable units in Austin. 
we want it. So we went to them and we got a HUD insured loan, um, 40 year amortization, uh, a little bit lower rate than the, the market was at the time. Well, hell, the market was nil at the time. But in general, it's typically a little bit better rate. Uh, leverage is a little better. And it, it really, without that loan and without exposure to that loan, without the affordability component, we would have probably lost all our money on that. But I think we were just very you know, diligent in uncovering every rock, asking every question. We persevered. We kept our head down. We talked to our investors about it. They said, hey, guys, we trust you. Go for it. And I remember one guy, he's got a giant bottle of scotch, and he's looking at me. He goes, Darren, I have no idea what you're talking about, but don't lose my money. And I just said, I got it. <laughs> I said, I won't. I said, we'll figure it out. So, uh, but that, that HUD loan is a good option for people. It's not the easiest thing to qualify for. But um, for, the, for those that are out there, it's a, a 221-D4 is their construction loan. And then they've got a couple of other loan products that are acquisition. Uh, but for the right business plan, they can be a really good loan. Darren, what's the hardest lesson you've learned in all of these years of real estate? Whether it's about partners, deals, money, whatever. The hardest lesson. Okay. I, I think I'm going to go back to that that project we just talked about. And, you know, the, the one we did with the city of Austin, we didn't quit. Okay. But we didn't know what we didn't know. And what I would tell anybody out there is, is the opportunities are so much better today. And um, if you will just do the right thing, you will persevere um, and, and hold yourself accountable. Uh, your equity's got to be the top priority. You have to protect your credibility, your reputation, and that equity. Uh, because if you don't, uh, it's going to be a very, very big hill to climb. And Hard lesson. We had to give up a lot of personal sacrifices, my wife and I did. Um, but guess what? We got through it and we were better for it afterwards. I mean, we had to we had to, we had to give up quite a bit for a couple of years. Um, she wasn't very happy with me, but she got through it. We got through it and we, we lived to fight another day. Darren, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? <laughs> yeah, let me let me get some of my uh, Yellowstone water here. So. All right, Darren, what's the best ever book you recently read? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go nerdy on you, okay? Um, I am a history buff because I truly think history um, does repeat itself. Um, and, and uh, you know, I could give you all the self-help books and all the mental books and all that. But uh, if you, I, I love the, the Killing Series by Bill O'Reilly. And if you haven't, looked into any of those books, you know, Killing Patton, Killing Jesus. Um, the stories are absolutely fascinating. And there's so many lessons of, you know, fortitude and gratitude and, and camaraderie. All of them are. So they're, they're really, for me, um, really good messages, uh, good books. I just love that whole series. Um, you know, on the other side, if you look at a book that kind of impacted me uh, at the right time, at the right place, you know, I, I see all these books about secrets and get rich quick type concepts, you know, the four hour. I mean, there's just all kind of books out there that that have all these shortcuts. Right. I just one day it was a podcast and I'll give this guy credit, a guy named Darren Hardy, who probably most of your guys know. He was about to release his book called The Compound Effect. And I heard him talking about it. And I, I literally went and picked it up I mean, a week later, 
And I read it cover to cover. And what I appreciated about that, that I employ in my, in my life today is I don't try to do everything at one time. You know, he talks about taking one step, just a little thing. I mean, the simple thing of eating one less cookie a day for 66 days, what would that do to you? Walking one extra, you know, block, uh, lap around the track for exercise, what would that do to you? Reading 10 more pages, you know, nothing that's going to change your life to actually go take action on it, but will absolutely change your life after, you know, two months of doing that. And then it becomes a habit. And if you employ little things like that and you stick with it. So that book caught me at the right time in my life when I, I needed something like that, something simple. So it, it was, it was a good pivot for me. And Darren, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Well, um, I'm going to give you the website and, but I also want to, uh, to offer something to them. We, uh, about, I don't know, probably about a year ago when we started getting a lot of phone calls from our investors talking about, um, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm concerned about this, this group or this asset or this investment. And I say, guys, doing your due diligence is absolutely critical. And so we just put a little, um, I call it a white paper, but, uh, we put a, a document together and I want you guys to have it. It's, it's fairly straightforward, but it's a, it's a top 10 on due diligence and they can pick that up at presarioventures.com. And, um, you know, it'll be on the website for a, for a top 10 or info at presarioventures.com. And that goes right into our, uh, director of client relations. And she is fantastic about providing documentation or any information or education on our side. So, but I really do that, that top 10, you know, there's, we talk a little bit about, you know, due diligence on the sponsor and the type of debt, uh, you know, debt is a big subject today and sponsor credibility, sponsor performance, sponsor track record. It's incredibly important, but we go through the top 10 and we source it out pretty well and make it real simple, but love for you guys to have it. I think it's, it's worthy, um, you know, for anybody to read just as a reminder, if they're a, if they, even if they're a, a seasoned, uh, uh, investor. Well, Darren, I got to thank you for your time today. Uh, we've learned a lot from you, your outlook on the future, a very unique way of finding assets on the market, providing a win-win solution to the operators, the investors, but still being able to benefit from it. So thank you for all your time today. Thank you, Ash. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so... Join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.